right, let's get it. All right. So, what's up, Sonny? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself here? Good, man. A little nervous? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this topic that we're going to talk about today, I was thinking about it uh, for about three days now. And uh, yesterday, I could have come by to do the episode, but I postponed it. Yeah. And I, I literally could have, but it's just uh, thinking about this topic, talking about specifically gang life and the impact it has on our mental health. Uh, whether you've been affected by it directly or indirectly. Mm-hmm. So this topic is something that I kind of always skirted around whenever I would do any kind of public speaking. Um, I would get very, um, you know, um, I wouldn't go in depth yeah. with my story. So yeah, I would tell people I was in a bit of a gang growing up and, you know, this is kind of what I saw. But today I really want to uh, dive deep um, with everyone and share with you because even when I started to tell you a few things, you were like, what the fuck? Yeah. And uh, share with everybody um, how how maybe I got there. You know, what are some um, contributing factors for myself that led me down that path? Uh, how it affected me mentally, emotionally, physically, how it affected my family how it affected my friends um, and the community. Yeah. So, yeah, let's get into it. Gang life yeah. episode. No, that's a good, it's a good topic just because in our community, the communities around us in BC here, it is a big thing. And we've seen it, you know, affect people from all ages. It's not just, you know, just somebody that's kind of like us, you know, grew up in the 90s into the 2000s. Nowadays, it's a lot easier to recruit people at a younger age. So we definitely want to like pick your brain on little things that might be able to kind of give tidbits to even parents. Like if we have parents that are listening, you know, they can kind of maybe pick up on something because sometimes it's so hard to read a kid yeah. and we're so good at hiding things. So yeah. it's sometimes it's just good for people to kind of pick a brain of somebody that's been in that life. And, you know, I have myself have had uh, kind of a close relationship with uh, the gang life growing up, uh, having a lot of close family members in there and uh, just kind of seeing how those little uh People played out and what whatever happened in their lives, all these little things that played out. Yeah. So we definitely want to kind of dive deep into this and uh, obviously pick your brain. And, you know, we're not uh, doing this to, you know, say people's names or do anything where we're, you know, trying to find justice for anything. More so it's just... Uh, no, this, is, this, this isn't about finding justice. Yeah. This is about uh, deepening our understanding so that we can bridge the gap yep. uh, between... Um, misunderstanding and understanding uh not only that for people that have been involved with it that are still involved with it uh for the people that have been affected by it um whether it's been through uh, addictions whether you were selling drugs whether you were committing any kind of crime uh whether you were um, a victim of a crime um it affects us all and and it's almost kind of taking a look at the culture and not necessarily saying well it's about this individual it's never been about an individual yep. because half the time like i mean the vast majority of the time nobody grows up thinking like i want to fucking be a gangster and i want to i want to carry a gun and i want to carry a bullet i want to have a bulletproof vest and i want to have a gang and i want to sell drugs like yep. there's something that happens with us um on a physiological level that uh when you're deeply entrenched within that culture um you are actually in a very basic survival mode yep. so like you are either wanting to fight or run away yep. you're, you're fighting or running away you're almost like not in control of the real you so i think 
starting off, I can kind of share with you how that happened for me. So when I when I grew up, so I grew up in Abbotsford. Um, uh, my personality growing up was uh, very happy-go-lucky, um, class clown, uh, moved around quite a bit. Um, so I had the really uh, that ability to make friends really quick. So I made friends really quick. Um, and it wasn't until I was in high school that my best friend at the time introduced me to his older cousin, uh, who we'll call H. So he introduces me to H. At this time when I was um, in high school, like, I was a pretty straight and narrow kid, like, very straight and narrow, like, um, I have a really good moral compass. Uh, That comes from my family, my upbringing, and for me to kind of go and do something like this to kind of join H with what he was doing in, let's, I call it the underworld, it was um, almost like a shock to my system but I always think back that you know I just always loved making friends you know loyalty is huge for me like if if my friend needed me for anything like I was going to be there no matter what Um, you could need me for a pep rally or you need me because you're getting jumped or you're going to a fight and you need me to bring a knife or you need me to come and bring a baseball bat like at that time, I didn't differentiate between like coming to your pep rally to support your sports team or helping you out because you're in a fight. Yep. Um, and at that time, um, for us too, not just meeting when I met H, it was like there was a big shift within our community. So growing up in Abbotsford, if you're from the Fraser Valley, you understand what kind of transpired during like the 80s and the 90s when we kind of started having gangs multiply. And, of course, we're so close to the ports in Vancouver. It's so easy to bring the drugs in, right? It's, it's, it's as simple as that. Yeah. So um, we're close to the supply. And um, now you have this huge population everywhere. And now we have gangs everywhere influencing the communities. Um, and so for me, what happened was um, I started out with him, you know, clipping weed. It was like just just clipping weed. I think everybody, you know, we were the bud capital of Canada for how long? I think we still are. I don't know about now, but (laughs) back then we were. Um, And so I was clipping weed, uh, smoking a lot of weed at that time too. So that was something that really kind of shifted my mind, my my behaviors. Mm -hmm. Uh, It completely altered my mental state, especially when I'm, you know, you're 15, 16. So smoking a lot of weed, um, I noticed myself kind of falling out of contact with all the friends that I have in high school. And really, it just became about hanging around with H and a few other guys. That was about it. I, I say I was in a gang, but it wasn't really a gang. It was a brotherhood. So, um, you know, doing that, we were uh, from going from clipping weed. Um, and then uh, eventually it became to this one point where h wanted um you know he didn't very he didn't trust anybody so that's why it was a brotherhood for the longest time there was there was there was like five or six of us then it kind of dwindled down to three so me h and my other brother who's uh called my brother because he is um h kind of was the captain he laid out the blueprint he was like all right uh we're going to uh do these jobs 
And the jobs involved kicking in doors and robbing groceries. And I'll, I'll kind of take you through like how that was. So you go from, first off, just clipping weed in itself was like, oh my God, what is this world? Yeah. Like it's kind of exciting, but not really. I know for me, I just wanted the friendship, the connection, uh, and I was loyal to it all. Like I wasn't like I was in, you know, uh, ignorant to the dangers, but this this um, deep sense of loyalty that I had was far surpassed any of those other feelings. Yeah. So, like even that was such a huge shock to myself. Um, but then. For when I remember the first time uh, we did a job together, um, it was, uh, yeah, he was very charismatic. I would have followed him to the ends of earth. Um, and he was somebody I will to this day always consider my brother, mm-hmm. regardless of what he had done in his past. Um, Regardless of what maybe my family may have thought of how maybe he was manipulating me and he shouldn't have, you know, influenced me to go into that lifestyle. Um, but uh, I remember the very first uh, house that we kicked in, um, he gave a little bit of a speech. He was good like that, you know, and he gave a little bit of a speech and he's, uh, I, was, I was scared. I had a ski mask on, I had gloves on, um, you know, uh, I had, I didn't have a gun at that time. Uh, that was the first job. And uh, I remember um, he gave a little bit of a speech to kind of boost the morale. And he was like, there's a ranger code uh, where there's no man left behind. I was like, okay, fuck, good. That makes me feel a little bit safer. Yeah. I'm like fucking younger. I was like five five years younger than yeah. him. And, uh, you know, still like kind of just still like it was like gr- end of grade 12 year uh, for me. And like kind of transitioning out of high school. So I was scared as fuck. Yeah. And, but that speech that he gave was a little bit more reassuring. We get in there, adrenaline's pumping. We leave, get the job done, um, and then we celebrate after. Um, and there was something about being involved within the brotherhood. You know, we'll talk about the effects of it. And I've always told people, and you know, every time I talk about it, people are like, it's a very criminal thing to do. It's, it's very horrible. It's very bad. But... Uh, you know, you know that old saying, it's just like people are like, I'd take a bullet for you. Yeah. It's like, I would have. Yeah. I, anybody that I've ever met, even to this day, the nonprofit that I started, Mental Wealth, um, the tagline for so long was, no minds left behind. Yeah. I got that, that courage to really say, like, I'm not going to leave anybody behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where it comes from. I never told anybody that, yeah. right? They're just like, yeah, it's catchy. It's kind of what the army uses, but you know, maybe I should have been in the army. No. I should have. I knew I should have. <laughs> like how militant, uh, you know, um, I how much I aligned with the kind of like that militant lifestyle. So after that first job, we started living together. It was a brotherhood. It wasn't just like, oh, hey, we're a gang. It's like, no, we lived together. So yeah. we moved around together. The three of us, we moved around together. We did these jobs together. Um, and it was, um, it was a time where um, the only thing that kept me going was this love. I was dead, honestly, on inside of me. Like, I had lost that person who I was growing up in high school. I thought that person was gone. I didn't know where he went. Like, uh, I kind of shut down and, you know, I would only listen. I remember H gave me, like, this uh, um, 
he gave me like this mp3 player if you remember those yeah he gave me like an mp3 <laughs> player um and in between like because we're just we'd go to the gym together we drive around if we weren't doing dirt we'd be kind of just hanging out together smoking weed um and uh i remember for them when we started to kind of really get deeper into that underworld uh, i was very quiet and mute so i would listen to that mp3 player a lot and he's like you always listen to a lot of music man i'm just like because i don't know and at that time if i were to answer for myself then i was like i don't know how the fuck to process any of this yeah. shit man <laughs> i don't know how i got here <laughs> i don't know what the fuck happened because yeah. in high school i had really good grades like i i had um very good grades and it was it was like i could have my teachers you could do anything you want my mom yeah. always used to say the same thing she's like you can do anything you want but fuck i just didn't know what i yeah. wanted to do i just wanted to love my brothers um so um it's a very i think there's a very primal part of us too it's just like this uh speaking like just as a man just like to be with your brothers to know that um you do anything for them like um you know i've always talked about the the bad with everybody and because i think i always i always felt like maybe that's what was culturally acceptable to really talk about because i've done so much nonprofit work and i've yeah. you know um i really am that's who i am like but also like that that person is a part of me like yeah. the person that's willing to die for those that he loves like if if it wasn't for h i wouldn't have never accessed that yeah. i would have never have accessed that to uh understand that part of me that is there um that's not a violent individual like i've never wanted to hurt anybody in my life but i will protect my brothers yeah. i will protect my family um so i wouldn't have known that existed i would never have ever known that existed you know and this is very controversial because i can't really say this to my family you know yeah. because they were so impacted uh by everything that happened like i remember um you know the family got torn apart um uh because of this i got outcasted i, I was fucking simba dude yeah. i was exiled yeah. i was exiled from uh the family from uh my um friends everybody and um but it was like you know that brotherhood of the camaraderie of knowing that we had each other's uh backs no matter what it instills you with this great sense of strength and confidence it was like the three of us against fucking everybody yeah um so you know you're in that lifestyle you start to see shootings you start to see stabbings you start to see uh everything comes becomes a little bit more morbid um and then you know eventually um because of that hollow feeling that emptiness that i felt that you know that loss that deep loss i had of who i was at that time i didn't know but i was grieving like that individual i was before i had met h um mm-hmm. there i was so empty that i started to take antidepressants so now at this time um you know uh my life has gone from fucking sunny side to fucking cloudy thunderstorms all day every day and i um i remember just before i had moved out to live with uh uh h um i used to have i used to have like my bulletproof vest under my bed i had a 4 or 5 and i had bundles of money and i had uh i had my antidepressants uh there and i can't imagine the first time that my mom ever found that you know what she must have felt 
inside of her. And that always put her in this state of panic for the longest time, man. That, you know, that panic and that fear that was almost deeply embedded within her bones, like bone marrow deep, man. Mm -hmm. And so in that, in that, in that time, she sees that, uh, I move, I leave the house. I go to live with my dad because it's not, you know, I'm just just, just so, so much static at home. I'm not respecting the house. Like I'm smoking weed outside and I got my little brother and sister, but I just, I wasn't, I wasn't fully conscious. Mm -hmm. Like, the fucking lights were not on, man. Yep. Like, I was just, I can't even begin. Like, I couldn't connect to that old person, but all I could do is, like, at least I had H, and at least this kind of loyalty and this brotherhood made some kind of sense to me to just put myself into so I can not think and I can just follow the leader, you know? So, did we we're, were doing that for quite some time. Um, got pretty much kind of kicked out of my dad's house, moved in with H full-time, Continue to do these jobs. Um, and then um, one night, um, uh, we're having this barbecue, uh, me, H, a um, couple other really good buddies. And um, he hugs me at this barbecue. The guy fucking never hugs me. Yeah. Right? Like, he's the general. Like, he's very, very fucking... He's like King Kong mentality. Like, you remember that fucking scene in, in Training Day where Denzel's fucking, he's like, King Kong ain't got shit mm -hmm. on me? Yeah. That was fucking H. But that was who he was. Like, he came, he fucking grew up in the wrong fucking era, man. Yeah. Like, like there was something about him, like, you know, um, if it was, if he was, if he was able to channel that intelligence, that charisma, he could have led others to do so much more and such great things in mm -hmm. life so he gives me this hug king kong um h and uh and then uh about an hour after that we've kind of well we part ways but then an hour or two after that uh we find out that he uh, gets murdered um at that time i fucking i remember i just i i get the phone call um from somebody like that's really close to me saying that he was murdered and then i shut down um i'm angry i shut down i have no idea what's going on the series of events that occurred after that or like this it's kind of like i'm afraid that detectives are coming to the house every day following me around uh, trying to enter the house, my mom's slamming, like, at this time, I moved back home to be with my family, they're so worried about me, um, the detectives are just trying whatever they could to kind of uh, get some kind of information from me, and um, I fucking shut down, yeah. I, sh I completely shut down, I'm fucking taking these antidepressants, looking out my window, it's, I was like filled with this it was like, it was an equal amount of fear and anger. I didn't know what to do. I just shut down. Like, I wanted to fucking murder, but who? I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know where to, where to even begin, man. It's the fucking wild, wild west out here. You know? So, it's like, where do I even begin? And, 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 then, and then what? And now I'm fearing for my family. Yeah. Um, so, that inevitably led uh, to uh, my mom uprooting my entire family, moving us to India. So... You got to look at the silver lining. That's why I look at the silver lining. You know, for so many years, I wanted to 
take a look back at, you know, almost discard that from my life. It never happened. Even some, like, some of our friends and everybody, like, sometimes I never really go into detail with it because I tell them a little bit. They're like, oh, you're a beast, bro, fucking beast. It's like, I'm not a beast, man. I'm Vic. Yeah. Um, I, I never... I never did it for clout. I did it for my brothers. Mm-hmm. I didn't have fucking any jewelry. I fucking, I didn't, I didn't fucking, I never got any tattoos. Till, I only got one until years later, um, you know, um, a memorial tattoo. But other than that, I did it for my brothers, plain and simple. It's the same kind of love that I give anybody that I work with in mental health. I don't think that, I think that's, kind of how I can almost explain it to people. Like, you don't understand. Like, if I meet you for a minute, I will give you my life. Yeah. I will, I will, I will have your back. I'm not just talking like, oh, uh, you know, if you need me to help you move, which, by the way, I just did move, Sonny, so yeah. I might need a little help. Yeah, oh, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like, no, I, I will do anything yeah. willingly for you. You know, I, and, and that's, that's something that I'm very proud of, that I know that is... Um, I'm not just saying that to say it. Um, it's something that I think we're all capable of doing for our loved ones, which is, it's like, it's beautiful. But now I get to kind of transmute that kind of anger and that uh, uh, and channel into some really, it's like uh, channeling that anger into aggression to allow me to utilize that energy in other areas of my life for the better. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, getting back to that, um, you know, story, cause as you can tell, like, I never really talk about this. I'll be as articulate as you want about yeah. all these other subjects, yeah. but this time I can even feel myself as I'm talking about it. Like I'm, I'm there, Sonny. Yeah. Like I'm there. I feel it again. I'm there. And, and it's just like, fucking feels good to air it out. feels good to air it out. It's just like, um, you know, if you want to talk about the culture and like why maybe some, some young men, um, get involved in this fucking look at the economics too okay don't just fucking always say the family yeah so what my fucking mother and father are fucking saints man. yeah has nothing to do with them has look at the economics look at the look at the school system like i didn't know what i wanted to do in school um look at uh look at where we're getting the drugs man yeah look at look at how easily accessible it is look at Look at all these other factors before we start to just blame anybody. Yeah. But then look at the core, maybe, maybe, maybe a core reason why some of these young guys get involved in gangs. They are wanting connection. They want brotherhood. Yeah. They want solidarity. They want to know that somebody is there for them no matter what. I don't, after I went through that, I don't want surface level friends. Yeah. I need to know like, I don't know. Maybe it's just my programming now. Like I need to know. Like if if you're in my like inner circle, like I need to know. Like you're willing to uh, set, like be there for me just as much as I'm there for you. Yeah. And it's not so much like oh yeah, let's give these kids a hug. <laughs> That's not gonna solve no. it, man. That's not gonna solve it. What needs to happen is, um, you know, it's like oh, it felt good to kind of let the steam out the kettle. For my story, but now as I think about the people that I've worked with, the the young boys that I've mentored, uh, the men that I've worked with, the women, the elderly, um, working with them mentally for their, to help them better their mental and emotional well-being, um, 
all I can say is it's, it's not just in, in, in gang life um, where people go searching for connection. It's yeah. just in life in general. Yeah, no, it's good Good hearing you aired out. I want to kind of give you your opportunity before yeah. I jumped in and Jump interjected. Because <laughs> obviously I have a lot of questions. You yeah. know, personally, I've had, you know, my brother in that life for a long time. So it's, I never dip my feet too deep in the gang life. So obviously there's all these questions that come up to me. And I think the main one, uh, just listening to your story, you know, most of the gangsters I've seen in my entire life have been two-sided. So either you have the one side of a gangster that's that greedy motherfucker that's just there for greed, money, partying and all that kind of lifestyle and manipulating the, uh, you know, the youth and trying to get him, his name to the top. And then there's the opposite side, someone like you, that's just finding loyalty, solidarity, brotherhood, you know, trying to just, they're not there for the money and all that. They know that's already a part of the lifestyle, something that's going to assist them throughout whatever they're trying to do. But they're just the people there to find that friendship, find that bond to people that are like-minded to them, just because maybe they're not getting along with other people. They're same age group, so they go for somebody a little bit older. So I've seen that there's those two different types of gangsters. Yeah. And, uh... I see you on the side of more of the solidarity. That's my brotherhood. Brotherhood, and on my brother's side, I've seen more of the, you know, the power that you know how much power you want to gain and what that power kind of gives you a benefit of. But I want to ask you, basically, living with these people. So I've seen that, you know, with my brother too, living with uh, other gangsters. Once you're in that lifestyle, like once you were living with these guys. What was the mindset of everybody else that's with you? We got a chance to, you know, hear your mindset. But while you're in this life, are you ever looking at the people around you and trying to kind of get, get an understanding of their mindsets and where they're from and what there is? Or is it just, a, you know, as long as we're continuing to do this and everybody's loyal, I don't give a fuck what oh, you guys really do. It's a jungle, man. Yeah. It's, there was, it's like you have, you have uh, for me specifically, I won't talk about anybody else, but I'll just talk about for me, it's like, no, you have our leader. We have our general. Like mm-hmm. he was making the blueprint. Yeah. Like he had the business plan. He was he was the one influencing us and inspiring us to find this kind of courage to do these kind of things. But also, yes, there was some mild manipulation there. Like, and I know that, but I don't. I don't. I forgive him for that. Mm-hmm. You know. I remember after that. You know, um, before I went to the psych ward, I remember my mom took me to see a therapist. Um, and, uh, I remember he was like, uh, he took me to the second, this, the second floor, um, in Abbotsford of his building. Um, and we go into this room, it's a big room. And, um, I, I say the second floor because what he asked me to do is while we're talking there, he's like, I want you to express, you know, some maybe feelings for H that you had pent up, uh, that were angry. Cause I was angry at him. Yeah. I was angry at him putting my life in danger him dying like i tried to keep the guy alive you yeah. have no idea like for so much i'm like we don't need to be doing half of this shit these fucking fights and this this and that like where, where, what are we doing like i tried so much to rescue him it's fucked up like i would yeah. try to rescue him while i was in that life and i he's the the so the therapist he's like i want you to imagine that you're talking to him and what would you say to him so we're on the second floor and i look down and i yell as much as i can because in my head i'm like maybe he's in hell so I'm going to yell down towards hell and scream at him for what he did to me. Yeah. And I'm screaming and the therapist is like, fucking no, stop. There's people downstairs. I'm like, no fucking ask me, man. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like it's not like, but like, yeah, even now I can, I can, I look back at this and I just think like for that kind of, 
uh, individuals like you're right like there is two types i think there's there's it's a little bit more than that it's not like kind of like a black and white scenario there's so many variables there's a little bit of like uh random yeah there's there's a little bit of random you add this person and this person together fucking it yeah. could happen right and it's all about environments too you never know what could happen in the, right, uh, this type of an environment this yeah. type of climate um you know uh so it's uh yeah H was one of those people he wanted, you know, he watched a lot of Sopranos, his idols were like, you know, the type of music we were listening to, like kicking the door without the 4-4, like we're listening to fucking this gangster rap deeply kind of uh, resonating with us. So in my mind, I'm like, we're listening to the rap, we're watching the movies, we're involved in the culture. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just him. Yeah. He didn't fucking like... It wasn't like H was just like fucking just peddling and like sitting in like elementary school. He wasn't like a yeah. fucking like a, a full-blown gangster when he was a little kid, man. That kid, he played on the swing set. He, he played with his friends on the street. He played hockey. Like he, he like something in, influenced him to go astray, to think that this kind of life would be a life worth living. Yeah. Like nobody, I promise you, nobody, if they had the opportunity, no matter what region you're in in the world, nobody, if they had the opportunity, would be in a gang. Yeah. Nobody would be committing crime. Nobody. You think they want to for the clout? They need the, they want security. They want the camaraderie. They want the brotherhood. That's mm -hmm. why some people, there are, there are certain personalities, like if they didn't have the army, they would be in the fucking gang. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So it's like, it's like, you can't demonize, you know, I, I, I have this strong sense of forgiveness for even the people that murdered him. I have a strong sense of forgiveness. I can't carry that anymore. Mm -hmm. It's been over 15 years. I can't carry that. I, I used to, I used to get angry at the government. I'm like, how are you guys letting all these drugs come in? Yeah. You guys can fucking fly to the moon, but you can't stop fucking uh, guns and drugs coming in through our border. Really? And then you want to fucking throw us in jail because of it? Like, there was such deep-seated anger inside of me. I was angry at the government. I was angry at the people that murdered him. I was angry at H. I was angry at myself. You know, and all that anger, what it does, Sonny, it just, it takes you away from the truth of it all. That what's needed so desperately within our community is connection, leadership, mm -hmm. you know, where are the fucking Mr. Rogers? Yeah. Where are the, you know, where, where, are the, where are the strong influences inspiring us to want to do better? Want to live and search for our own values and our morals and develop a good comp moral uh, compass. Yeah. You know, uh, they're not teaching us ethics and values in school. No. No, they're teaching me fucking... Pi times this equals this. I don't know, fuck, fuck pi, man. Yeah. Teach me how to manage my emotions. Nobody's teaching you how to manage your emotions. Nobody's teaching you about your mental health. Go fucking, nobody's teaching you about your physicality, about how to kind of feel strong so you don't have to go and hurt somebody else. Yeah. Nobody's doing that. We're playing fucking dodgeball. Yeah. What do you know? Fuck this dodgeball, man. <laughs> she like, so like, like I, I have a, it's like I have a love uh, relationship and this almost kind of it's it's very it's 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 not linear man it's like the way i feel about this it fucking goes all and all around and like i can hate it i can love it i can understand it um you know i can i i would say well okay if we're going to specifically talk about the school system because i know i'm jumping around here but like the school system man 
some of my elementary school teachers are, they instilled such good values in me. Just them as people, like their desire, not fuck the curriculum and the yeah. system, like, but just my teachers. I've had the most phenomenal teachers that made it such a good impact in my life that helped develop and shape my character that if it wasn't for them, I probably wouldn't have the capacity to um, 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 think and, and be as creative as I have with some of these initiatives that I've done in mental health. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the system goes, fuck the system that yeah. they got put into. Like they are such good quality teachers. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna completely disregard um, the school system um, and say it's all fucking nonsense because you gotta again you gotta look at the silver lining just like I did with H. You know, like what he had shown me that I was capable of doing for my brothers. Like that's just something that I'm very proud of. Mm -hmm. Like being there for my brothers, um, no matter what, and even. Um, with this with the school system like i take the good and the bad i'll just i'll just focus more on the on 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 the positives you know take a look at our culture too like you know the if we, i mentioned uh you know music music okay talk about different influences lack of structure yep. in school okay lack of uh certain um classes that should be fundamental like teaching kids just start teaching them philosophy yeah. in high school. Teach yeah. them how to think, not what to think. Just yeah. let's teach them how to think. Yeah. Uh, let's let's teach them some basics, some some uh, some fundamentals of your mental and your emotional health, and and the to dos. You know that you can do consistently, so you can get a good baseline yeah. with your with your with your with your state of mind, where you're not kind of uh, feeling anxious all the time, and learn how to identify that and how to cope with that. Yeah. But the the music, what's the good and the bad? Well, music is very inspirational. Um, but man, if I'm listening to like fucking the type of music I used to listen to way back in the day, like I still do sometimes in the gym. Maybe that's why when we were talking about earlier yeah. before we started, it's just like I'm fucking doing triple sets and yeah. like I'm sweating and like it looks like I'm fucking just like fighting for my life. Kicking in a different K door. Kicking in a different door, bro. <laughs> it's just all it is. It's just like it fucking, I, it's like a steroid for yeah. me. Like I'm still listening to some old school gangster rap and it's just like, it's just like fucking, it's just like a, it's like a switch. I want to kind of jump back into you know, you talked about how you got into it and kind of, uh, you know, the path that it led to, but yeah. the end of, end of it, you know, the final chapter of yeah. being in a gang and figuring it out, which is sometimes the hardest thing to do, how you kind of said, you know, H, it was just too late just to too late. find something else that you could fall in love with and yeah. continue that. And I think, you know, that's the tale of nowadays in these gangs that nobody gets to get that final chapter of getting out. It might be a final chapter of their life or a final chapter of, uh, you know, finding drugs or all these other things that might lead them down a totally different path. But what was your final chapter like in the gang and how did you get out? And what was your mindset of having to get out? And what was that little thing that kind of clicked? The final chapter was when he was murdered. Uh, actually, no. The final chapter wasn't when he was murdered. The final chapter, um, I think for a bit was when he was murdered. But when I came back from India, I started connecting with uh, people still in that lifestyle because, uh, you know, I had been kind of exiled from my old life. So it was easier to connect with them. Um, but I think uh, the final chapter... Um, I don't think there is a final chapter, if I can be honest. I've kept this in for so long, Sonny. And... Like, I think the final chapter for me is connecting with as many young guys as I can to inspire them to take a different path. That's my, that'll be my final chapter. Mm -hmm. 
No, I totally understand that. I was just kind of trying to get at, okay, you know, H dies. Yep. Now you're still kind of in the life. You go to India, you're yep. still kind of chit-chatting with your friends that are out here. So in your mind, you still kind of feel like you're still a part of it. But what was that moment where you had to just click that off and shut some of those friends down, let that life kind of go, and then maybe you reconnect with was, those that, friends? That was the psych ward. That was the blessing. Okay. Yeah. That was probably like the the when I when I got tossed in the psych ward um, because of all of that. Um, you know, as I talked about in our first um, episode briefly, that would that would have been the nail in the coffin. Um, not the first time, but like kind of like the second time. Um, the nail in the coffin was that because then I was just as exiled as you could have been. So the isolation of not having any relationships um, put me in a position to connect back with myself. Mm -hmm. So there's that silver lining too, again, you know, um, I think it's, yeah, it's important to have these discussions. Um, but I think it's important to, um, to understand that you're not going to be able to, truly make an impact with these individuals if you've never lived their life mm -hmm. that's it you yep. could be a politician you could talk about it but what do you what what, what kind of direct involvement have you had in that lifestyle yep. how can you can you relate to them no um your parents you know they're in a state of panic and worry and fear they can't think clearly to be able to even begin to sometimes even begin to take action to help um, these youth. Yeah. Um, for me, honestly, if I were to tidy all this up, yeah, I was, you know, I shared this bit of my story, um, which I never, a sense of me, I never wanted to sell it. I never wanted to like, kind of like share with people to kind of gain some kind of, um, gain something from it in terms of like their, attention yeah or you know like i don't want to just say i did this stuff and be like oh well fucking fix a gangster you, yeah i never wanted to do that now why i'm sharing this now is because i know my end game mm -hmm. if i'm gonna share this i will be able to connect with as many youth as possible just within the lower mainland to start that's why i moved back to abbotsford that's why i did everything is because i have unfinished business and i have been waiting and i've been working away at it with this initiative so that i could come back allow my message to mature Share with them what is possible in a different environment with a different outlook. And no matter how deep you've been entrenched in this lifestyle, you can come out yeah. and you can come out and you can change not just yourself, but your whole outlook on life yeah. and what you're capable of doing. And you can connect back with yourself that maybe the piece of you that died before you entered that lifestyle and you can connect back with that individual and you can pick up where you left off. And I promise you it's possible. Yeah. And I promise you it just takes heart. It takes commitment. And that's what I always will bring towards this type of endeavor when it comes to talking to youth to help them um, find some inspiration. So I talked about where the fuck Mr. Rogers at. That's okay. Yeah, I'll be fucking Mr. Rogers. Yeah, a little bit of Mr. Rogers, a little bit of Tupac, yeah. a little yeah. bit of blend. Yeah, a little bit of blend. And I think yeah. that's what the youth need because, you know, sometimes parents, how uh, you've had your mom kind of telling you get out of the lifestyle, get out of the lifestyle. That's all they can really say. It's just one choice or the other, and it's not sometimes informative for a child to listen to their parents. It's just something as a kid where you're turned against, right? So I think we have to find different choices for kids and youth 
that there is different possibilities, different ways to get out of this. You know, your final chapter, everybody's final yeah. chapter in a certain lifestyle or a certain part of their life is going to be different. And how you said, you know, you had to go to uh, a psych ward and that was kind of something that turned your kind of mindset around. That's not what you wanted to do. And some people, it's, you know, jail a close uh, person that dies or you find somebody that comes into your life, uh, you know, a significant other that changes your life and perspective on just what you're doing. So I think there's all these different things that, you know, we're going to try to touch on and try to help the youth figure out whichever way is uh, the best way for them to kind of get through it because nobody's the same. And we've seen that in our lives and lives around us, yeah. that it's going to be something that'll maybe click for some people and some things won't. But it's good to just get out everything and talk to more people that have been in this lifestyle. Yeah. Just as you've kind of brought your story up, I want to be able to bring on more people that uh, bring these kind of stories out and different perspectives because, you know, they're on different spectrums of this lifestyle. Some have the more brotherhood style and some have more of, you know, this uh, other typical style. So we want to be able to definitely break it down and get all these mindsets because just how you said, it's hard to get some of these things yeah. out. And, you know, you could say a little bit to somebody that I was a part of this, but nobody really knows that background of how you got into it and all yeah. that. Well, if you want, if you want to talk about like, okay, well, what else can we do? It's like, yeah, you can talk. And I've always, you know, I, the reason why I didn't decide to like, kind of like share the story is because I was doing I didn't need to talk to like yeah. I, I, I connect with kids that are going through similar uh, circumstances right now and I'll never stop connecting with them you know I work with them one-on-one -on -one, then I work on uh, with them in groups but I've never had to kind of publicly share this story because I started to take action yeah. so first and foremost you can take action you can find an initiative a local initiative that's doing something like there's one that's really good that I believe in they, they're the young guns you know they help youth um, get into the weightlifting yeah. right that's just the basic premise of yeah. their organization if you feel aligned with an organization that's inspiring and empowering the youth, get involved with them. Do some research. Go take a look around within your community. Find these different resources. Market those resources on your social media. Share it with people. Find one that you really deeply align with. Get involved. See how you can help. If there's none, create your own. Yeah. And I think that action can only happen if we allow and put that information yeah. out there. You know, sometimes people just don't know where to find that. They don't have the time. They don't want to. It's just something that's not in their mindset until they hear it. Yeah. So those kind of things click. Like I've found youth programs. I never went searching for them. Those are something that have organically came to me. Yeah. Just finding them on social media. Uh, Kids Play Foundation. I bring that one up a lot. Yeah. Kids Play just because the person that runs it, Cal Desange, I've seen him, you know, do s talks about it, speeches. And kind of when I heard those speeches, it kind of... Inspires made, you. It inspired me for yeah. sure to actually pay attention to the youth, want to do some work with them, volunteer and just put my time and effort in there just by hearing a story. So uh, sometimes for some people, it's not that we want to talk about sides and all that. It's just giving out that information to people to be like, you know what? Here's one program. You brought up the young, uh, young guns, young guns. And that's, uh, I've seen that with uh, Mamba, yeah. Mamba's it, team. Uh, they do a lot of work together. So those are things that, you know, you see from somebody else doing it. Yeah. And that could kind of get somebody else into doing it. So those are things that we definitely. You know what? Get, get creative. I used to yeah. organize open mics for youth. Yeah. You know, o I used to organize open mics for youth. Um, I mentor youth. I did group programs. Um, just, just, and I didn't need any money. Yeah. And I always, and I always can say this to people because when you're having this conversation, a lot of the times people will say, well, oh, we need more funding. The, there are resources available. Yeah go and look for them yeah and if you can't find any create some yeah that's it yeah other than that it's like because i can understand 
you know, I can understand the getting online and typing and getting angry. I can understand the frustration. I can understand the fear. Mm -hmm. I can understand how sometimes you only feel like the only thing you have um, in the form of action is talking about it. But I promise you, for somebody that's talked about it um, in my in my in my 20s, um, who ha- has been in a psych ward trying to ma- manage these emotions and try to understand and process this all, I can tell you at the end of it, when I've sifted through it all, it just comes back to just taking action and doing it from your heart. Yeah. And when you can do that, you can really, it's not going to be so much like, I'm doing this to save kids. Yeah. I'm doing this, if I don't do it, they're fucked. No, I'm doing this because out of genuine care and love to create. And it's a different vibe that you put off. It's a different energy that you're putting forward when you do it from a space of like, I want to create. I'm not trying to save because then you got everybody running around, especially the parents are running around like chickens with their heads cut off. Like, like it's just like, they're screaming. Like, I remember my family going through this. We guys, we can find a different way. It doesn't have to be something where we have to get so angry to the point. And I know I still get angry about it. It's natural. It's okay. You can let this steam out the tea kettle just a little bit. But once the once that emotion subsides of that anger and that frustration, we can get to work. Yeah. And the work is a beautiful service. And we talked about Seba. You know, it's Seba. Yeah. You want to go and give back to your community. We've been all impacted by this, directly or indirectly, especially in the East Indian community. Have yeah. we not? Yeah. You can't say anybody. They know somebody who knows somebody or their yeah. cousin or their brother or they've been involved. And we've, it's been around for so many years, decades now, that it's, it's, it's now deeply embedded within our culture. Mm-hmm. So let's not look at this like um, it's a crisis. Let's look at the opportunities. Yeah. And if we can look at the opportunities, I promise they will present themselves. Yeah. But if we continue to focus on the crisis, then you're not going to be able to see through that fucking veil of anger. Yeah. And there's no clarity there. There's without no. without the clarity, you're not going to take action. Yeah. So, no, I feel good about this, uh, Sunny. So thanks for letting me um, holding the space and doing this because this is that being able to just kind of share that begin to share that and articulate why I do what I've done um, is very helpful for me because it's almost like this was therapy for me, man. Yeah, and a lot of people don't get to see that side of people again. We always say that, like, there's so many different personalities within us, and I think you might see somebody randomly on the street that, you know, they they weren't in the gang life, but they've committed some crimes in their life, and they learned something from that and made a good life. So we don't get to sometimes pick their brain about those things because... People don't want to bring those up sometimes. They don't want to say the crimes they've done and how that's actually affected their life in both a positive or a negative way. So it's, you know, like it's a good thing that you're able to speak up like this. And another point I just wanted to bring up is how you kind of brought up the funding. You're right. You know, you don't have to be doing any of this kind of work or youth programs and have to find funding. You just have to find time out of your day to provide something. People provide, you know, soccer for an hour for kids, something like that out of their day at like five to six. I have friends that have started a roller hockey league here in Abbotsford just for the youth. Or if you are looking for funding, look at people that are already in that uh, that field, basically. Sunny, before COVID, when I was living in Okotoks, I had 40 events a month going on i had no money man mm-hmm. i was getting so broke like yeah. it wasn't a non-profit it was a no profit yeah. i was making no money but the reason i was able to do those events is because of collaboration within the community yeah. if 
you can do this with pure intention and you can collaborate with others, they will open their doors. The businesses open their doors. They donated space. We, I had friends who would donate their time to teach and yep. uh, different, like we were doing meditation classes, yoga classes, open mics, business networking events, whatever we could. We we're doing mental health empowerment groups facilitated, uh, facilitated by traditional and non-traditional mental health professionals because I went and I asked them. I shared a vision. I shared my desire yep. and they saw that. They reciprocated because they had similar passions to want to give back, and that's all it took. And we had 40 events popping for free for the community, and people were coming. Yeah. It took no money. It took yeah. heart. It took a little bit of vision, but it took this humble attitude to understand we don't do this alone. And anything I've ever done in this work, you know, I will never, ever not give credit to the people who believed in me. Yeah. Without them, I would have never have been able to. They opened their doors. Um, they helped support mental health. You did too when we first met. Like you'd help me re record my first TikTok because yeah. I was trying to get back into public speaking. <laughs> COVID shut everything down. But like people are there to help. Yeah. So when I, 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 could, I could only get, you know, that agreement from them when they could tell that I was doing it from my heart. Yeah. If I was angry, they'd be like, you know, exactly. It's how you, I think, how you reach out. Sometimes we're scared of just reaching out to people to ask them simple questions or ask them for assistance on something. And it's just reaching out. You got to try with people. And if you are coming with pure intentions, those people will see them by the words and the actions that you're bringing or what you're showcasing to them. So yeah. I think sometimes some people reach out too early and they don't really have that vision. So it's hard for yeah. that other the person that you're reaching out to see. So sometimes you do have to have that vision before you reach out just so they see those pure intentions of what you're actually trying to do. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing that kind of comes out of this is having pure intentions with what you're trying to do. Pure intentions, right? Like it's like... I'm not doing any of this work I'm doing within mental wealth, with any of these um, programs um, or classes. I have not done any of those without those pure intentions. And I know if I'm not on my A game, I just won't put myself out there. And when I talk about my A game, it's just like, okay, I got to do a little bit more work on myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I got to unpack this, the, this, these emotional wounds. I don't like to call them trauma. Sometimes that word is misinterpreted quite yeah. a bit. Um, they're emotional wounds. That's how I look at them. You know, sometimes they come up and it's just like, all right, I got to take a time out. I've been working within the community for far too long and now I got to work on Vic. Yeah. I come back to it and uh, kind of refresh my mind, my body, my spirit, and we get back to work. So yeah, I'm also excited about coming on this podcast to hopefully to any of the listeners, if they are working within mental health, if they are working um, in any capacity, you have, uh, you're a psychologist, you're a therapist, you run a sports program, uh, you want to uh, start something, get in touch with me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because that's why I am back in Abbotsford. I've done it in other communities, but I really strongly want to give back to, uh, the city I was born in. This is my home. My bend is Abbotsford. Bend for anybody that doesn't know that just means your home village in India. Yeah. And this is my home that I've I've been away for from so long, but it feels good to be back. And all I want to do now is connect with as many like-minded individuals and see if we can't make some more good things happen for not only the youth, but just for all minds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's a good, good way to kind of end it off there. Yeah. All right. All right man. 